You're listening to nothing important. Because I think what mm-hmm. you hear is my computer microphone, mm-hmm. and I'm recording this one separately, whereas oh. you are recording that one and using it in the program as well. Right, but yeah, so it, it's going through Google whatever, but it's also recording in the background on Audacity. Right. Motherfucker. All right, ready? I wonder what the order of instantiation is. Mm, yeah, the instantiation. <laughs> yeah, that's... You got to remember that as an engineer, man. The order of instantiation. Yeah, got to got to get that order. (laughs) I have no idea what that means. You don't you don't insert plugins. You don't add plugins. You instantiate the plugin. Oh, I insert them. Don't you worry about that. It's some weird form of instance, I guess. Instantiate. I insert them hard. (laughs) What was my opening? Oh, I had an opening. You had an open- oh, shit, I had it. Fuck. When you asked me how it was going, I had a response plan. Right, but you didn't I even know what I was figured- going oh, to say. Yeah, I got it. You didn't even know what That's I was... That's okay. Oh, is this like an all-purpose opening? That's okay. It's an all- no, it's just relevant to this time and place. It's like an all-purpose opening, so it's like when somebody says, um, like, like, hey, Dave, haven't seen you in a while, and you're like, fine, <laughs> because you anticipate yeah. them asking you how you're, how you're doing. Yeah. Do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like one of the weirdest social things ever you know <laughs> like yeah. it's so awkward because not only because people are used to people just kind of fading out and not paying attention to them but you're not paying attention to the person from the get-go <laughs> like, right like, like from word <laughs> one you're not even paying attention to the context of the conversation and like i like how how's it going means hello mm-hmm. so i have kind of a disconnect with that sometimes because i want to answer the fucking question mm-hmm. but you don't really care how it's going right so right. so he's like how's it going yeah hello yeah the expected <laughs> reply is yeah all right you ready so let's do this mm-hmm. all right um now i can use my my opening that i wanted to use when you asked me how it's going all right ready yeah you're listening to Nothing Important. This is the Nothing Important Podcast insert witty tagline here. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is my telephone ringing. Hold on one sec. <laughs> Dave, Dave, how's it going today? Sneezing fits are scary when blood starts showing up on the napkin. <laughs> I just sneeze like 30 times, dude. Like it's seriously to the point where I'm I got a little disoriented. Yeah, and, that's uh, that's just the worst. Mad. First off, blood is never a good sign anywhere. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh one of the worst feelings in the world is when you sneeze and it hurts your like eyes. It hurts the back of your eyes. Oh yeah. It, yeah. People detach their retinas from sneezing, dude. That really happens? Yeah. Sammy Sosa, like, sneezed during swinging. Like, in a game, he was swinging and sneezed at the same time through his back out. It's it's a hard motion. Your whole body is involved in a sneeze, and things can get a little crazy. Holy cow. I did not know that. Dave and I also host the Better Better Call Saul podcast called It's <laughs> We're just Man. both talking at the same time <laughs> with a frozen screen. <laughs> all right. Let's just start this whole episode over. You ready? All right. All right. Just scrap all that, Dave. All right, ready? Okay. You're listening to nothing.
nothing important. All right. Uh, this is the Nothing Important Podcast. Insert witty tagline here. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is my favorite size. Whatever. Hold on. All right, ready? <laughs> See, I always come up with it on the fly. So hold on. <laughs> You're listening to nothing important. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Nothing Important Podcast. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is my favorite KFC value meal, Dave. Dave, how's it going? The most know. obvious one. You froze. Uh, did I? I, don't, I don't know what you said. You froze. No, you're not frozen. All right. All right. Ready? This Fucking is... Comcast. <laughs> Ready? You're listening to Nothing Important. This is the Nothing Important Podcast. My name is Brian. No, you're freezing me. again. Seriously? Are you yeah. With me? No. All right. Are you ready? Okay, now I hear you. Okay, I'm going to kill like this so it's easier to tell if I freeze. You ready? Okay. You're listening to nothing important. Yum, yum, yum. (laughs) (laughs) Please enjoy the show. the nothing important podcast my name is brian and with me as always is dave i'm just gonna go with dave because we've now tried that six times so dave how's it going today? <laughs> oh fucking comcast yeah we keep trying to do the intro we keep we're video chatting and we keep freezing on each other so i don't know how brian's been introducing me for the past five times in a row but <laughs> i'm dave and uh i just lost my comcast connection um that uh your brother gave us to watch better call Saul. oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, apparently he doesn't have Comcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Comcast is such a shitty company. That's why I recommend Sling. And that totally sounds like a plug, and fuck it, it is, because they are awesome. Look, they <laughs> they do not sponsor this show at all. I'm going to put that out there. They do not sponsor this show. But No, they don't. I went with Sling TV since day one, and they had a bunch of hiccups. But recently, it's worked like a charm, and they have two different packages. Uh, but I have the $25 a month package that gets me like 45 channels. <laughs> so, Uh-oh. And uh, on top of Hulu and Netflix, I see absolutely no reason to ever have to deal with, uh, with uh, regular cable companies again. And as soon as, as soon as my neighborhood gets some other uh, internet company in it, uh, besides Comcast, I'm going to go tell Comcast to go fuck themselves. <laughs> Cause that's, that's the weird thing about living in the city is you, how cable companies work in big cities is the cities actually own the franchise of that cable company huh. because they have to use so much of the infrastructure to, you know, support it with the wires and such. So oh. cities usually buy a franchise of the cable company and they provide help provide a lot of the services going into the cities and such. Right. So in Chicago, okay. there's, there's three different companies. There's uh yeah, three different companies that provide internet into the neighborhoods of Chicago. The problem is one of the company's uh, area territory ends one block over. 
The other cable company's territory, they plan on moving into our neighborhood, but not for another three years. So I'm like, well, what the fuck is the point of I can't switch? And then yeah. Comcast is literally my only option right now as far as internet. But as soon as I can dump Comcast, I'm going to be more than happy to do so. They are such a <laughs> shitty, shitty, shitty company. Yes, we've uh, well-documented our disdain for that company. Absolutely. Coming up later in the episode this week, we have Ann Cherkis, who is a writer for uh, AMC's Better Call Saul. Dave, Executive had- story editor. Executive story editor. Dave had a great conversation with her. I wasn't able to make it on uh the interview but it was a great interview dave way to go thanks brian i appreciate that i i tried so i was a little nervous but i tried (laughs) so uh well it's great and uh, i hope you guys stick around and listen to it uh so earlier today uh i took the kids to go get um to go get portillo's for those of you uh who don't live in chicago i think they're kind of spreading out now that Portillo sold itself and, and now a bunch of people can buy into the franchises some other company owns in, I guess they're trying to bring it like nationwide. So if you ever run into a Portillo's, you definitely want to get their hot dog and you want to get their Italian beef. Uh, for me, the closest Portillo's is in downtown Chicago, which is about a five-minute ride from my house. Uh, it's on LaSalle Street, I believe. It, it's no big deal at all for me to get there. So the thing about businesses downtown is few of them have drive-throughs but if they have a drive-through it's always quicker to go into the drive-through than it is to go into the restaurant stand in line and get your food because they place yeah. such a priority on drive-through so me yeah. and the kids we have what's called car dates right so <laughs> like if, if they want hot dogs uh we'll go to portillo's go through the drive-through We'll get our food and we'll just pull off somewhere and basically have a picnic in the jeep with the top off it's kind of fun uh-huh. the kids like it there's uh, one spot, as I turn right out of Portillo's, there's one spot where they're building a new high-rise. It's like 17 stories or something like that. And they have hmm. like those big diamond signs that say lane closed. Right? Okay. So it closes the lane going that direction about a block in front of where the construction starts for this high-rise. So the three lanes go down to two in the span of a block, and it's just after a stoplight. So on the other side of the lane closed sign it creates like this nice little haven where I can pull behind the sign and sit there with my uh, kids and prepare their meals because I have an 18 month old. So she can't quite eat a whole hot dog yet, but I can take the shitty plastic knife and I can cut it up into a bunch of pieces. Right. 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 Uh, kids also love shakes and ice cream. So I always say, all right, well let's go get hot dogs and shakes. So I get the hot dogs right. and I get one giant ass shake because Portillo's gives you a shake. That's literally like a gallon of milk <laughs> as your large shake. So I always get extra cups and I'm pouring the shake for my daughter and I turn around and I go to hand it to my 18 month old. But the funny, mm-hmm. uh, now, now you know me, right? You've, you've now seen me, how I raised two children. Um, mm-hmm. I never baby talk the kids. Right. Have you, like I don't do the whole goo goo gagu thing. I don't like, yeah, that wasn't really around in my family either. Yeah. I, I don't mispronounce stuff. Like I, I, I like, for example, if they it's want to yeah, if they want a lollipop, I don't say, how about a wowie pop or something like that, you know? Right. But I will talk on their level because they, they are still kids, right? So right. Uh, my youngest daughter, Tilly, it, I, I go to hand her the, the cup with the shake in it that I just made her. 
And she goes, mmm, and I'm excited, you know, because she's excited. But, you know, talk on her level, but not baby talk. I just, like, hand it to her, and I'm like, yum, 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 and hand it to her just to see this group of girls uh, who obviously are coming back from Lollapalooza, barely wearing anything, walk right past my Jeep on the sidewalk with the top off <laughs> and stopped <laughs> and looked at me like I said that to them. <laughs> <laughs> when I, oh, when I well, totally, you know what? Don't dress like that then. <laughs> I was totally. So in that split second, I'm like, well, I can either laugh, you know, like, ha ha ha. Like I, I was talking to my daughter. I could laugh. I could mm-hmm. apologize and explain myself or I could double down and then just stare at them. And that's exactly <laughs> what I did. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> hey, if they don't want creepy old guys staring at them, don't go out in public looking like that, man. <laughs> it's awesome. Because all I could think in their head is not not only was that guy, uh, a disgu- in their mind, not only was that guy a disgusting pig to me, but he did that with the top off in his Jeep and uh, with in front two of his daughters in the back. <laughs> in front of his kids. <laughs> uh, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's just the story I wanted to tell. But like, it was totally like, because I looked up and like three, all four of them stop and look at me. And so when I look up, you know, like, because the top is off the Jeep. So it's like literally like two, a few you know feet. What been, so I you just know what sat there like funny? this, like, like I wasn't looking away <laughs> until they were looking away. Like I was just like double down on it. Why not? <laughs> you know what would have been funnier though is, uh, if you're like, yeah, I said yum, 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 and there's four of you. I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> I think your brother did that one time. I always wanted to, or maybe something I always wanted to do, like we'll go up to a, like some girls in the mall and be like, your friends are all cuter, but I bet you put out. No. <laughs> I know exactly what story you're talking about. I think I told you the story. So me and my brother were at the food court in a mall. Uh, it, I don't even really know why we were at a food court in the mall. I think it's because uh, maybe we won't really wanted to go to the steakery or something. It's not like I make a habit of going to the mall. In my, right, but if, there's the mall has some things sometimes that you desire. If, I, if you count up all the times in my life that I have actually gone to a mall, I would probably say it's less than 50 times I've actually been to a mall. Wow. I hate it. I used to fight my parents tooth and nail. Like, nope, don't want to go shopping. Like, And to this day, if my wife wants to go to the mall... I will sit in the car for two hours or go find something else to do and drop her off at the mall. Like, well, you used to go play video games. Yeah, yeah. I guess there was the arcades, you know? but when I was little, nobody would ever give me money for the arcades. And then as I mm. got older, I just played Nintendo at home. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, so what happened uh, is, man, I don't even know if I want to tell the story on the back. Okay, but anyway, what <laughs> happened is my brother is a decidedly better looking better looking uh guy than myself he's tall he's skinny uh but i have hair and he doesn't so (laughs) uh score one for brian so uh these girls walk up to us rather sheepishly and uh the lead girl talks to my brother and says hey uh my friend thinks you're kind of cute and she'd like to talk to you which is dumb because, like, at this point, it's not like we were, like, 13 years old and doing this. Like, we were all in our 20s. So, like, right. I don't know why that was the method of approach. I think that's what kind of set my brother 
down this path is because if you like somebody, just go fucking tell them. Don't like, especially in your twenties, don't go fucking right. send somebody else over to. So, so my brother just without missing a beat says, says, well, I'm kind of have a girlfriend right now, but you could tell your fat lesbian friend. I said, hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it wasn't, and say, so here's the thing. It wasn't being a dick. It was just kind of, being a dick yeah <laughs> he's being a dick like see just... but like, okay so here's what people don't understand that was so long ago that was literally like 10 15 years ago like yeah. a common this is bef- i think before we worked together your brother and i worked together 10 mm-hmm. years ago yeah it, it was like uh back then if you don't remember the the typical reaction would have been <laughs> you're fucking rude you know but then like yeah there would be no malice behind it. People would just be like, that's fucking rude. And then they would probably just go on their way and they'd be like, man, those guys are assholes. And then they probably wouldn't even think about it at all. Right. I don't know. I don't but, know. But you call a random girl, a fat lesbian friend that might ruin her week. <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> but that, that, but like the weird, the way it was, that wasn't the intent. You know what I mean? It was just well, kind of, it was just kind of, the intent wasn't to ruin her day. It was just, to, the intent was just to say something outrageous in front of his friends. I have another story that I want to relay after this one. Yes. Oh, you remember, oh, talking about ruining a girl's week over some bullshit thing. Mm-hmm. You remember when that girl visited in college? She was there for a semester and then it was like halfway through the next semester she wasn't around and she came and visited and I ruined her whole fucking weekend. No. Because I was in a bad mood. I was going through my own thing, whatever. So what I said had a lot more venom behind it than I intended to. (laughs) But I was thinking, because I was like, you know, this girl, she's she's running around to everybody. Hey, do you miss me? Hey, do you miss me? Hey, do you miss me? And I got tired of hearing it. So she said that to me. And I was like, I'm not going to sit here and kiss your ass because I haven't seen you in three months or something (laughs) like that. And I turned away. And then I turned back laughing, and I was going to be like, oh, I'm just kidding, you know, messing with you. By then, she had run into the bathroom and did not come out the rest of the party crying her eyes out, and I just ruined her whole weekend. Really? Yeah. I couldn't even apologize. I wanted to apologize to her, like, this is a joke. This is not even, like, why are you so upset? And she was just inconsolable. <laughs> because I, someone that she barely even talked to, might have said something a little rude as a joke. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I never heard that before. That's pretty funny. Oh, I thought you were there for that. Yeah. I, I might Doobie have been was there, there, but I forget. Doobie that. was all like, you know, Dave, he wouldn't really be that mean. And we're all like, yeah, it's just a joke, dude. <laughs> it was the girl that broke her leg. Man, I don't I don't remember that stuff. You know, she like, lived up up above us with the those crazy girls. See, like vaguely remember, but like people will tell me stuff that I did like two years ago. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, that that never happened. Like, I don't know what you're, yeah. <laughs> what you're talking about. And uh, no, it totally happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Laugh and then start the show. Okay. 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 But I, I was actually thinking about that uh, being funny. Um, if I just started like my output of requesting interview requests and then picking some of them and doing like a supplemental show to nothing important, just calling it the super imp- or the someone important hotline. Ooh. And then getting an app on my phone that just records the whole conversation, and then just <laughs> and then all the intro to that would be would just be like a telephone ring and like a hello, and then just a conversation, and then the hang up, and like that would be it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so a little uh, background on our interview coming up in just a few minutes. 
uh, Ann Turkis. She is, uh, what, what is her title again? The executive story editor. Executive story editor of Better Call Saul. And right. I, here's the funny thing about being unemployed. For somebody who's unemployed, I seem to have less time now to do this stuff than I did when I was working <laughs> uh, 60 hours a week at my last job. So uh, Anne was awesome because uh, uh, classic. I found her on Twitter. I said, hey, this is who we are. This is what we'd like to do. She wrote me back like, hey, let's go through the appropriate channel. So we wrote our buddy at AMC uh, who's helped us out quite a bit. He facilitated the conversation. We had to push it back twice. Then on the day that we could do it, you had to fly solo because I had a, just a day just full of stuff of picking up people at the airport and getting things <laughs> together. And right. on top of that, I, I still wasn't even able to listen to the interview that you sent me until last night. And uh, great job, my friend. I, I was pretty impressed. And it kind of pisses me off because you're way better at this than I am. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. The only the only market improvement is it, uh, or is it an improvement? You don't hear the word awesome as much. That's true. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's it, been a running joke we've been kind of on lately. You know, yeah, it's funny. Dave talks to a lot of people that listen to our podcast, and it's, it's been brought up to Dave that uh, I use the word awesome a lot, and that's very true. And I told my wife that, and she said the same thing I had. Where she said, if they think you use the word awesome on the show a lot, like they should hang out with you in real life. Because really, <laughs> I think 90% of things are awesome. Like, like I, uh, it's a great word. Yeah. First off, it's a fun word to say. And, uh, that is even in the worst of times, I really don't think I have much to complain about. So for me, a lot of things are just awesome. So, yeah. You know, you know, and by nature of my job too, absolutely. I throw absolutely around a lot too, but it's just because by yeah. nature of my profession, I say absolutely a ton. So it just becomes part of my, uh, part of my daily vernacular. Like for example, I I'm, I'm a relatively polite guy, so I'll mm -hmm. hold uh, doors open for people like on the street or going into a store. And of course uh -huh. they'll say, thank you. And instead of saying sure thing, or you're welcome. I'm always like, absolutely. <laughs> you know, like, just like I would at work. Absolutely. My pleasure. Which sounds even weirder when up. you're out on the street because they're like, oh, well, thanks for letting me cut in line since I only have two, two items. Absolutely. My pleasure. And then that probably sounds <laughs> 10 times creepier. <laughs> but I always say, what do I say? No problem. I say no worries. I picked up no worries mm. out in California. Mm. Everybody out in California says no worries. Right. It's just that chill back. Yeah. Chill, chill out, chill back type. Yeah, no worries. I man. didn't even right say on. a real phrase there. Chill back? What the fuck is that? Anyway, <laughs> you know. Okay, so anyway, back to Ann Cherkis. Um, A couple things from your interview. One, once again, great job. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Two, it, it's funny to me that she actually heard of our, or she actually listened to our podcast before she worked on Better Call Saul. Yeah, and then she agreed to come on it. Yeah. So we're, I guess we're not too alienating. <laughs> we're slightly. I didn't. We're slightly. I didn't ask her opinion. I mean, you'll you'll hear the interview, obviously, but I did not ask her opinion of our show. Mm -hmm. That's probably a safe I, move. I was, yeah, I was kind of scared too. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun because um, when, when we talk to the people who are actors and such, you know, asking about the process and such, it, it's fun to kind of get an inside look at the writers' room and kind of some of their processes and and get the general feel. Yeah. Of of something that's very closed off from the rest of the world, including people that are just like rabid fans of the TV show. Right. I think she missed my joke, though. 
That, that's okay. I, I miss her jokes too. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's talking about post-it notes on the wall and I want, I was making a joke about throwing darts at it. Well, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. You did about throwing darts, but then what was, what was interesting about that is I think why she missed the joke is because she went on right after that to state there is actually a system that they have in place where they use where they use yeah. the index cards because I think he talked about throwing darts on the at the index cards on the dartboard for show ideas and she started talking about how they actually have show ideas on the, the index cards right and so I I think it wasn't uh, that she missed the joke so much as just coincidentally you kind of hit upon. <laughs> a tool yeah. a tool that they use so in her mind it wasn't a joke it was like oh well, this guy knows about the index card so yeah this is what we do with the index cards <laughs> they do that that's actually pretty common i think south park's six days of air had that in there too you see it a lot in movies and stuff it's the storyboard yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. so uh dave um before we head out to the interview with ann Cherkis. Uh, what, what were your, what were your thoughts? How do you think you did in the interview? I thought I did pretty well in the interview. Honestly, the openings and the closings I need work on. Um, the, uh, I didn't like say anything about her background or like ask her to promote anything of hers, stuff like that. I forget about, Mm -hmm. I'm just more into the conversation. Absolutely. I'm a good conversationalist. I'm a good listener. Right. And, uh, I actually started, I tried to jump right in and she was like, are we going to, are we, are we going? (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, hold on a second. Let me do the intro. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess Ann doesn't do a lot of uh, a lot of interviews. You know, the, the writers no, probably yeah. aren't, aren't as used to being peppered with questions or, or talking to strangers over the phone about their line of work like the actors are. It was smooth, though. I mean, she, she relaxed or was relaxed. I think we were both kind of nervous. We both relaxed, and mm-hmm. it was a good time. Absolutely. Well, Dave, I enjoyed listening to it. And obviously, once you get this all mixed and we get it posted on the thread, I'm obviously going to listen to it again. Excellent job. And I hope everybody out there enjoys Dave's chat with Ann Cherkis, the executive story editor for Better Call Saul. It's all. Joining us on the Someone Important Hotline is Ann Cherkis, executive story editor and writer for Better Call Saul. Ann, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's all good, man. Oh, thank you for having me. So we were just briefly speaking. You've actually heard our show before, so that puts me a lot more at ease. And I appreciate that. Yeah. and flattered and humbled by that. And, um, and oh. you did mention that uh, season one, you were just a fan of the show. And by season two, you're working on the show. So tell our yes. fans a little bit about that. Well, um, it was pretty cool, you know, how it it ended up working out. Um, Certainly nothing I ever expected. Um, Yeah, I was just, uh, you know, I I knew, of course, I was a huge Breaking Bad fan and, Mm -hmm. you know, was very much looking forward to Better Call Saul. And um, so I watched season one and I loved it. And I was, you know, looking for other things, you know, to that, that, you know, other media that was talking about the show. And I, I stumbled upon your podcast. Um, and then I got a phone call really out of the blue, uh, which, which led to, which led ultimately led to the job. So, um, you know, and so I knew, I knew the show already. That's pretty interesting. A lot of people that we've talked to have always had some kind of 
a very, very entertaining story about how they got into it or like maybe how they found out they got hired or just some kind of random. Yeah. I mean, I guess probably most stories in Hollywood are pretty crazy and coincidental. A lot of networking and stuff. Yeah. I mean, for whatever reason, stuff doesn't necessarily happen easily <laughs> in this business. And I don't exactly know why that is. But yeah, I mean, in my situation, I was actually committed to working on another show when I got the phone call. So that was, it was a little bit tough, you know, because I, it was something that I just couldn't say no to, but I also had an obligation to another show. Mm -hmm. And so I had to sort of work that out. And it was looking at first, like I would, I was going to have to turn them down. And, um, but it eventually all worked out. So I uh, I was very grateful to the other the other show. They you know let and, and it was ABC Family who let me out of my contract. And, oh wow. Um, yeah, and so I you know it was sort of a, le- a legal matter. And then uh, I came into the writers' room for season two about five weeks late. Uh, so they mm. had already started before I before I came in. Wow. And then you just have to jump yeah. in and kind of just keep the ball rolling. Yeah, I mean, it was you know, it was it was hard, and I mean, to their credit, Peter and Vince were you know incredibly uh, cool about the whole thing and said, <laughs> you know, look, just you know, they're like, look, obviously, there's no pressure at first because. Yeah. You know, you're you're coming in here blind and, you know, we've never had a situation where we had a writer come in after the room started. So they were just like, you know, just sit back and listen and, you know, take your time kind of jumping in. And it, yeah, they were great. That's that's a very common sentiment. Brian and I talk about it all the time. We're not shy about the fact that we started this podcast to kind of get fans to our other podcast, basically. Um, we're both Breaking Bad fans, and we picked this show, and then it blew mm-hmm. up, you know. And we're like, "Holy cow, we picked the right show!" And you must feel, yeah. I mean, on a whole nother level, the same way with all the awards and the accolades. Like, you got into the show, oh my god, and it's it's the one of the biggest shows on television right now. I know, and I'm seriously, I'm still pinching myself. You know, <laughs> I mean, I did, I, I am. I mean, I worked on season two. And now we're, we started working on season three and I just, even now every day when I walk into the office, I kind of pinch myself and I just, I feel incredibly grateful because yeah, I mean, there are so many amazing shows out there, you know, there's, I mean, as everyone says, there Mm -hmm. are too many. (laughs) And so to be, you know, for this, to be working on a show that's recognized is, you know, your odds are not good. Right. <laughs> Even yeah. if, you know, the other, these other shows I'm talking about are really good. It's just, there are only so many shows that can, you know, be nominated. So yeah. Yeah. Especially um, with, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Especially with the binge watching and, you know, uh, I don't know if cable viewership is down, but it seems to be that, you know, this, this, this show is getting people to tune in to watch it as it airs, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. No, which is, which is amazing. And look, I mean, it's, yes, I mean, it is a great show, but also I think, you know, for Breaking Bad fans out there, I mean, there was sort of a built in audience already. I mean, at least, at the very least, people were going to tune in at first mm-hmm, right. to see, you know, what, what it was. And, but, you know, it didn't necessarily mean that people would keep tuning in. Yeah. So, um, as I said, I know for me as a fan, I was thrilled with the first season. I just thought it was 
so great. And, you know, nobody knew, including, by the way, Vincent Peter, what, you know, what that, sh- what the show is going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, they sort of had a, an idea, but, you know, you never know until you start doing it. Right. And so much of it. And then even. Mm-hmm. I would say so much of it is done kind of as it's going. Like it's, you're, you're starting later Absolutely. episodes before other episodes are even finished. So it's kind of fluid. Yeah, I mean, we. yeah, I mean, as they've talked about, you know, in many interviews, I mean, are the way that they work, the way that Vince works and now Vince and Peter work, that they, you know, we don't really talk ahead that much. So we just go from episode to episode. And um, so, yeah, we never know really what's going to happen. Does that happen? Sorry. Uh, does that happen no, to no, help no. with uh, separating maybe like the Breaking Bad stuff from the Better Call Saul? Because you're coming in as a fan of Breaking Bad, and I would imagine there has to be some sort of conscious decision to not let too much influence how you work on Better Call Saul. Yes, I mean, yes, <laughs> I think you know we. They, yeah, I mean, you know, it doesn't come up every single day, but mm-hmm. it definitely comes up that you know if somebody in the room pitches an idea to have you know, a character come in from Breaking Bad, it's, you know, they, they, we talk about it endlessly, you know, before that's, you know, before that happens. It's, you know, and many times it's discussed and we, you know, the decision ends up being, no, we're not going to put them in, you know, Uh so they, they definitely err on the side of being incredibly careful and that, you know, it has to feel organic to this show. And that comes off, at least as far as we're concerned and from the feedback we've gotten from our fans and people we talk to is that it has been organic. It's not forced or heavy handed. There's been a couple of times where like Brian will text me or I'll text him like, oh, hey, did you catch that? You know, Breaking Bad characters like, oh, no, I kind of missed it. And uh, it's, it's right. nice. Because like some that. of them are not, you know, some of them are smaller characters that just mm-hmm. had, you know, a bit part in, in Breaking Bad. And yeah, I mean, it it's, um, yeah, it's not, you know, they definitely, we definitely don't do it as a stunt or anything. It's, right. You know, is there somebody from the other show that makes sense in, in this show? And um so, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's always sort of there as an option, but they're very careful about about that and the crossover. So, as far as season one, what is one of your favorite moments from season one that really got you excited mm. about working on season two? Mm, that's a really good question. I mean, I, first of all, just meeting the Chuck McGill character, mm-hmm. I thought was, you know, was, was great. I mean, obviously he's not someone who was ever on Breaking Bad. So right. I loved that, you know, we learned that Jimmy has this, this brother. Um, I mean, I think for me, one of the, my favorite scenes of that season and, and the one that is, is most memorable is just Jimmy diving into that dumpster, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, outside of, of Sandpiper and just that scene and, and how, you know, just how great Bob is mm-hmm. and, and just how funny it was. And also, but it also is such a great character moment for him because it, it spoke to his tenacity, you know, right. to, to, to get those, to get those documents. And, um, and then just the way that they crafted that scene where the reveal at the end that actually the documents are, are in the, 
the shredding and the recycling, <laughs> you know, that they weren't even in there. And that was just right next to the dumpster. And I, I thought that was, that was great. So yeah, I think that would, that's a good one for me. Yeah. It's one of the things I love is how interjected little bits of humor or just like really grounding it and, and making things relatable a lot of times or making you chuckle at an awkward moment yeah. sometimes. That's, that's what I love about Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I love the tone that this show has, has struck. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, and I think that's just honestly a, a product of, you know, the, the personalities in the room. You yeah, know? I mean, it seems to be. Vince and Peter are both actually really funny, even <laughs> though, you know, when they do interviews and things, you might not, that might not come across. I don't, I don't know, but it's, they're really, really funny. And so I think whenever there's a chance to add, inject any kind of humor, they, you know, unless it's too broad, I mm -hmm. think that would be the only reason not to do it. But if it fits in with the tone they're they're all for it. And right. I, you know, I personally love that. I can definitely say from their interviews, it seems that they're at least very good humored and good natured people, you know, they really are. Yeah. They really are. And, you know, and the thing is, I, you know, I spend so much time with them because <laughs> I'm in that room for, you know, many, many hours a day, five days a week. And, um, you know, you really get to know people when right. you when you spend that much time with them. I mean, frankly, we all spend more time together than we do with our families um, <laughs> because, you know, just this long is the nature of this type of job. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so you really do get to know people as well as, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, I haven't known them for that long, but mm -hmm. I feel like I have. And because, you came in late, but you, know, you were still kind of accepted into the group, right? And not. Yeah. Yeah. Which was also, you know, I was nervous about that right. and, and everyone was very cool about it and very accepting and very inclusive and, I was no very hazing. grateful for that. No hazing or making your earn your stripes or anything or just nothing you can talk um, about on the you podcast? Know, every, <laughs> yeah, I mean, not really. I think for the most part when they, you know, they were very respectful. But now as I've gotten to know people more, especially now that I'm working on another season with them, mm -hmm. um, there is a little bit more of that. <laughs> um, but no, initially they are incredibly polite. <laughs> That's very um, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. It could have gone the other way, but... Right. <laughs> well, it's in, in my industry, because I am actually an audio engineer, so a lot of, there is a lot of trial by fire, and, like, and you know, you have to earn your stripes everywhere you go, and it's... I was, I was wondering, and, you know, and, different groups yeah. have their thing, you know? No, absolutely. And, and, I mean, there is some of that. I mean, I think that until I wrote my episode... I mean, I can't speak for everybody else, but I know for me how I felt. I felt like until I wrote that and people read it, um, even before the ep you know they saw the episode, that that was sort of my, you know, trial by fire. Mm. You know, just like okay, so do these people? You know, so they understand maybe why I got on right. <laughs> and I wasn't just there. <laughs> Helps you prove your metal <laughs> you know, a little for, bit. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, real quick, what what exactly does an executive uh, story supervisor do? I'm sorry, executive story executive editor. Story editor. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because even though we all have these titles, that you know, we actually all really do the same thing. Um, mm. That is more a product of how the TV business works okay. and how 
TV staff's work. Um, I think it is different on every show. There's certainly some shows, and it really, in the end of the day, depends on the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the, you know, some shows, your title, you know, dep- your your job is different depending on what your title is. But mm-hmm. in this case, it's very democratic, and it doesn't matter if you're, you know, an executive producer like Tom Schnauz or, or Jenny, mm-hmm. um, or if you're a staff writer, you know, and, and really it's the only thing that it affects is your salary. Yeah. So um, I was going to say, it's, it, it's probably a pay grade thing yeah. or something. Yeah. It's just this ladder of, you know, it's this hierarchy that is really mostly about, um, yeah, about your, your contract with, you know, with right. Sony and and that it, it it in the in our room it it doesn't mean anything really except for you are one of the writers in that writers room and you know you pitch and you write and you go on set and everybody does that. Nice. That's uh. So it's kind of like on your own to keep too many cooks out of the kitchen or something. Like you said, it's democratic. Like a lot of people have input in how scripts go and how the story progresses. Or does like someone come up with a rough draft? I don't know. Um, I don't want to get too well, detailed or ask I mean, too many questions, but I'm very yeah, curious about no, that. No, no. I mean, uh, I mean, basically, we all the way it works is that everybody in the room pitches ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, dep- obviously, depending on what we're what we're talking about, and then Peter and and Vince are the ones who decide what ends up going into the show. Okay. So we, you know, they decide basically every show does this differently, but we have bulletin boards up in our writer's room and we use index cards Mm. and somebody writes, writes on those cards with Sharpies and we basically put them up on the bulletin board. You know, we have teaser act one, act two, act three, act four, and it all goes up on this board. And then whoever's writing that particular episode uses the, you know, what's on the cards and also what's in the notes that our writer's assistant Ariel takes. Hmm. Um, And we craft our outline from that. And then from that, from the outline, we write our script. Oh, wow. That's very, that's actually very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As long so as you're not throwing really, darts at the index cards, you know, randomly picking a plot or something. <laughs> yeah. The index cards are like, you know, with everyone, it's, it's, we're very serious about this process mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, it has to be just so, I mean, we have, we, you know, and there's some superstition involved too. Like we have, we only use certain cards and hmm. the Sharpie has to have a lot of ink in it. And, hmm. you know, there's sort of this interesting ritual behind the whole thing, which I think really comes from just, I think it just it. I I think it comes from Vince actually. Yeah, from, it's, I, I, I've been. I don't, I don't know if I. You know, it's a, a weird relation, but I was in a band and we had like every every group that I get involved in. There's rituals like this. It's just a group thing. I guess exactly. you kind of make it your own group exactly. by having your little rituals. You make it your own thing. exactly, and 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 I know that they work this way on Breaking Bad. So mm-hmm. you know, with this with the new show, they you know Vince just you know, wanted to keep going <laughs> with that, with that, you know, with that particular ritual. That is, and so here we are. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, which will segue, segue us into my last question. Speaking of rituals, we yes. ask all of our guests this, what is your favorite frozen pizza? What is my favorite frozen pizza? Yes. Mm. 
That's an interesting question. I would say that, oh. all right, I'm going to say the ones that are made by California Pizza Kitchen. Okay. I've never uh, had, I've never had one of those. You never had those. So, you know, there's a, those restaurants, mm-hmm. um, it's a chain and they sell their pizzas in, in grocery stores. And the one that I really like is the barbecue chicken. Oh, wow. Barbecue chicken, California pizza kitchen, frozen pizza. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very <laughs> No, that's all. Well, yeah, mine is, uh, I'm tombstone sausage done. That's it. You know, pretty, pretty standard. Yeah. But uh, the question throws yeah. some people off. It's pretty funny. <laughs> no, it is funny. And I'm glad actually I had an answer because I could have very easily <laughs> and had no answer for you. Some of the some of the actually it's some of the better call saw people had to like add ingredients to their frozen pizza and I always took that as a sin. Like you don't add ingredients to a frozen pizza, dude. You know? Just just throw it in the oven and cook it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, no, no. I mean it's yeah, you you throw it in the oven and cook it. I mean it's you know, we I have made my own pizza, but that's that's different. <laughs> well Lan <laughs> Cherkis, thank you so much for joining us on It's All Good Man. Uh, congratulations on all your success and becoming a member of a show that you're actually a fan of. It's a pretty incredible goal for anybody in their life. So kudos to that. And uh, thank you for spending thank time with us. Thank you so much. Our fans appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can talk again, maybe with Brian next time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And uh, I hope I hope people enjoy hearing what it's like to, <laughs> to work on Better Call Saul. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty nerdy. I think everybody will like it. <laughs> yeah okay cool <laughs> thank you so much for your time we really appreciate it okay you're you're very welcome thank you thanks Ed. okay take care be sure to follow nothing important online at nothingimportantpodcast.com find us on itunes on twitter at not important pc and you can also find us on facebook nothing important is recorded with help from third city sound in joliet illinois thanks for being awesome